Welcome back to From Poop to Gold. I'm Benton Crane, your co-host, and I'm the CEO of Harmon Brothers. For today's episode, I have a very special guest on the show with me today. Her name is Melanie Diesel. Melanie is the founder of a company called Story Fuel, and she is the author of a book called The Content Fuel Framework. Uh, this is an interview that I'm really excited about. I, I had the opportunity to share the stage with Melanie at a conference in Asheville, North Carolina. And so I had a chance to hear her speak and talk about what she does and how she helps uh, content creators, companies, uh, influencers, any storyteller essentially. And, uh, and so I'm really excited to have Melanie on uh, to both share what she does and how she does it and also to talk to us about her poop to gold journey. So welcome to the show, Melanie. Thanks for having me. Okay, let's get started. I, I gave a brief introduction, but I want you yeah. to tell our listeners what it is that you do and why they should care. So what I do is I take what I learned as a journalist. I studied investigative reporting and arts and cultural criticism. So I'm taking what I learned in journalism school as a journalist and applying it to the communications we do as marketers, as brands, for personal brands, basically anyone who's in the business of communicating a message to their audience. I'm trying to help them learn those best practices that work so well in the journalism world and apply them to their, their more branded communications. And I do that in a number of different ways through things like speaking where we met. Uh, I do a lot of corporate workshops and you know employee offsite type trainings, run a mastermind, a Facebook group, and recently just launched the book. So you know the, the primary mission for me is how can I make someone else love storytelling as much as I do, as much as most journalists do, and, and how do we make that more useful for them in whatever capacity they tell stories. That's awesome. What, one of the things that, um, that you said that really, really connected with me was this idea that uh, as storytellers and as content creators, there's kind of this never-ending need for you know more quote-unquote content, right? We need to be yeah. posting to the different the different social channels. We need to make sure that we're staying in touch with our audience and building our audience and all of those things. And so sometimes there can be this kind of never-ending and overwhelming feeling of like, I don't know what to say next. Like, <laughs> you know, I, I feel like I've already said everything that, that I have to say. And you've essentially built a framework that provides guidance and structure around how to know what to say next and kind of how to be able to fill that never ending, uh, that never ending need. Can, can you kind of give us a brief overview of that framework? Yeah. So the framework actually came from, like I said, I, I, my background is as a journalist and there's just, you never expect to be done creating content as a journalist. Like there's always something new to put on the website or the paper's coming out tomorrow, the magazine's coming out next week. You always have to have more ideas. And so I'll be honest, I didn't really realize that some people saw content as not really a renewable resource, as something that there were a limited number of ideas. And so when I realized that people needed help coming up with this, I had to do a lot of internal work to figure out like, what am I doing in my head? Where am I coming up with stuff? How, what system do I actually use? Um, and that's, that's what the content field framework is, was me unpacking that system. And what I realized is I was first trying to figure out what is this story about? What are we going to create content about? And then I was figuring out what's the best format to bring that to life. And so the more you have this sort of inventory of potential focuses, potential things you can create content about, those lenses you can use, 
And the more formats you have in that arsenal, it creates an almost infinite number of combinations for any possible story you want to tell. So, you know, some of the examples in the book, you know, I have these little like cheat sheets of, of everything that's in the book here. Um, but, you know, you might tell stories about people. So a focus could be people, right? We're going to tell it about our, our partners, one of our customers, one of our vendors, a student at our university, for example, you could use data. So here's how many people we've helped, how many products we've sold, tell any story through the lens of the data points that pertain to that. So, so data would be a different focus than people yep. in that case. Yep. Yeah. People, data. Um, you can use history. History is a really fun one to kind of look back at the history of an individual, of an industry, of a product, a, a word, name. anything. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. So in the book, we kind of walk through 10 different focuses. And then the formats are things we're more used to. We have more of a shared language around that. So things like writing, audio, video, live video. So, you know, just coming up with those different combinations, the book kind of presents a grid so that you've got this arsenal, you've got in your tool belt at least 10 formats and at least 10 focuses so you can come up with at least 100 combinations for any type of story you want to tell. Yeah, no, that that's, it was really interesting for me because that's kind of a reversal of how I normally think about it. Normally I start with, okay, I need to post something on LinkedIn. And then I think, okay, I could write something, I could film something, I could put up an image. And I'm thinking, you know, first platform, then format. And then finally I get to, you know, what do I actually want to say? And yeah. and you're and you're you kind of flip that on its head for me and say, no, start with the story, what it is you want to tell, what it is you want to communicate, then think about the different possible ways to communicate it. Should it be in video? Should it be in infographics? Should it be text? What should it be? And then once you have those, then put it on whatever platform uh, it makes sense. So that it was very, yeah. very helpful for me. Well, and the thing that I like to share too is, like I said, in the book, I give 10 and 10 because 100 is a nice, good promise to have. And you can work, you can do a lot with that. Mm -hmm. um, but I always recommend for any particular use case, like if you're specifically looking for things on LinkedIn, maybe you'd want to adapt that grid and only consider those formats that are well suited to LinkedIn, like text, photos, videos, infographics, for example. So maybe in that you only get 40 options, right? Um, but just being able to, to adapt that system, at least you're not starting from nowhere. At least you don't have to sit there and say, God, what am I going to post? And just try to come up with something like out of thin air. You've got sort of prompts that you can use to, to come up with something. Awesome. All right, Melanie, let's shift gears. I want to dive into your poop to gold journey. Uh, that, that's what this podcast is all about. So take us back and, and tell us about this journey that you went on to end up where you're at today. And, and yeah. what we're really looking for is every single successful person on earth has kind of that moment, you know, we call it the poop moment where, um, where you're kind of hitting rock bottom. Um, things are seeming insurmountable. Um, you're, you're questioning your sanity. You're questioning your abilities. Uh, take us back to that moment. Yeah. So when I, um, when I graduated from undergraduate school, I, I had studied journalism, like I said, investigative reporting. I really wanted to be like this hard hitting in-depth reporter, you know, the kind that the spotlight movie was made of. Like I wanted to work on projects for a really long time and uncover injustice. Um, I graduated and there were no jobs. Like these are the first teams that get cut when there's a shortage of budget and newsrooms were downsizing. So I was like, great. After struggling, doing some, some odd journalism jobs, I went back to, to graduate school thinking, okay, if this investigative thing isn't going to work out, then I need to go and, and study something else. I studied arts and cultural criticism because I figured that was the opposite end of the spectrum. 
I graduated and newsrooms were downsizing further and all the arts teams were getting cut. So I actually had interviewed for an arts editor job. And in between the time when I interviewed and when they called me, the department was eliminated. So I interviewed for a job that didn't exist. Now, now was and this just, in conjunction with like the Great Recession or something? Why was everyone yeah, downsizing? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So it was, I mean, it was in conjunction with a lot of media factors as well as everyone kind of moved online. You know, this was I like 10 it. or so years ago. All the teams were downsizing. There were a okay, lot less resources. Exactly. You know, media space. Got it. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. So there just, there weren't a lot of journalism jobs out there. And I, for whatever reason, seem to have picked the two least employable versions of a journalism degree. So <laughs> I was like really in a rough spot. And, you know, I had now invested a lot in myself. I, I really, I mean, I believe so fully in the power of storytelling. That's really what I, I wanted to share with people. And I couldn't get a dang job anywhere. I was so frustrated. Um, and, you know, I was working with recruiters. I was going on interviews after interviews. I remember one time I got an interview out of state and I literally flew there, did an interview and then flew home because I was still doing another odd job on the side and just nothing was working out. And I was like, I, I feel like I barely got started, you know, like where, what am I even going to do here? And the moment where things really shifted for me was, was accidental. It felt like I was selling out. And now in, in looking back, I realized it was the best possible change. A recruiter that was desperately trying to place me in all these different newsrooms said, look, I've got this job. It's not exactly what you're looking for. It's in brand storytelling, but you know, you'll still get to write stuff. You'll still get to interview people. Um, you know, it, it might be kind of good, at least in the interim, at least it'll get you to New York, which is what you wanted. And you know, you can hang there for a bit. And this was the biggest unexpected gift I ever could have gotten because that's what got me into where I am today. I never could have picked this industry. I never would have known that it was a thing, right? Content marketing wasn't quite the buzzword then that it is now. Um, but she placed me in my, my job title was native advertising product manager, which doesn't sound remotely creative. Um, but I was essentially a content strategist and my job was to work with all of our different ad partners and come up with brand content ideas. So it was still using a lot of the really fun skills. Uh, you know, a lot of the things that I loved about storytelling and, you know, at the time I remember feeling really guilty, like I was kind of, you know, going to the dark side or something. Uh, but it really was the, the best move that I made for sure. So that was actually a really forward looking company because, uh, you know, Gary Vee has done a great job of kind of uh, popularizing this idea that any company needs to be a media organization. Yeah. But, you know, just a few short years ago, that was not widely understood at all. Um, and so no. the fact that you ended up in an organization that was actually leaning into that and yeah. and hiring you to to help with that, um, what, what a blessing in disguise. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, and the cool thing is I actually got placed with a publisher. So I was at the Huffington Post and I was sort of the representative in-house at Huffington Post helping all the different brands and advertisers create their content. They would sort of, you know, have us create it for them. Mm -hmm. And so what was really cool about that is I got experience with a lot of different brands. And so... Over the course of my time there, I mean, I worked with Goldman Sachs, Johnson & Johnson, Paramount Pictures, uh, Chipotle. Like I worked with so many different brands and brand categories. Having not come from an advertising or branding background, that was like 
trial by fire. You know, it was like a baptism by fire. I, I learned all the different hangups of the different industries, the different things that they were concerned about. I worked with so many amazing agencies. And after that, I moved to the New York Times, doing a very similar role as the first editor of brand content there. And, and again, got to work with so many awesome and amazing brands. Uh, I, I feel like it gave me the kind of experience, maybe I should have studied advertising uh, you know, instead of journalism. Um, but I feel like I got that education very, very quickly in a, a new industry by getting to work with all those different brands. And so, you know, it didn't take very, I think it was maybe a year or two after I started doing this brand work, I thought this was not a temporary move. Like this is where I'm going to be. Uh-huh. And what a blessing that I couldn't get the job I thought I wanted <laughs> because, you know, here, here I am now and, and getting to carve my own path in this space. That, that's so fascinating. My, so my partner, Daniel Harmon, he's our chief creative officer. He, he always says that it's so much easier to turn a comedian into a marketer than it is to teach a marketer to be funny. And as you're, you know, saying, maybe I should have studied advertising. Daniel's words are coming into my head and I'm thinking, well, maybe, but maybe it's much easier to teach a storyteller to advertise than it is to teach an advertiser to be a great storyteller. And and I don't know the answer to that, but... I think that's true. Yeah, that's my experience too. A lot of the folks who are working in content marketing are, are sort of immigrants from the world of journalism or, or communications where we've studied storytelling. You know, we're wordsmiths of one variety or another. We're creatives, you know, folks who are coming from filmmaking and and now making brand films. Um, and I think that a lot of it is, is instinct and you can't always explain why something is good or why it's compelling. You, you ha- can't always articulate it and therefore it's really difficult to teach. Whereas a lot of the marketing stuff, it's backed up by data, there's case studies. It's a lot easier to, to teach, I think. Yep. Okay, so back to your story. So you, you end up with this blessing in disguise, you end up in this role, you learn content marketing. Yeah. Now take us through, how do you go from that to branching out on your own and launching your own company, your own book, now you have your own clients, yeah. now you speak on stages all over the country. How, how does that transition happen? So what I found is I was being brought in, as you said, I, luckily, luckily I did study journalism because I, I came to realize that was the value that I was bringing to these companies. They would bring me into their advertising team, uh, their marketing team, have me create a mini newsroom that could create branded content. And then very quickly, I noticed at around the 10, 12 month mark, I proved useless because I had trained everybody on what I wanted, you know, what we needed to do. I had set up the productization. I had pitched all of the major clients and things were kind of up and running. So I did it at HuffPost, went to the New York Times and did the same thing there. Then I went to Time Incorporated and built a corporate content studio for their 35 US magazines. And it was that moment that I thought, this is now the third time that I've come in, built a team and sort of taught myself into redundancy in in 12 months. And so it's actually my husband who, who said, I think you're a consultant and you just don't know it. Like, I think this is actually your specialty is like, you're a person who teaches and builds these teams and helps people do this, not necessarily in-house. And, you know, I, journalism, we never get into it to make money. It's not a very enterprising activity. Like we're used to being part of a machine. So I don't know that I could have come to that conclusion on my own, but he's much more entrepreneurial. And so he kind of saw that opportunity to, to shift the whole way that I was engaging with clients. And uh, so it, it took me a few, it took me a few months to kind of plan and figure out how it would work. But that was, 
my gosh, that was almost five years ago now. And so we, we sort of set up all the things that we would do for brands uh, and for, you know, the publishers that I was working with, set it up so that I can do that for anyone who's needing that kind of thing at, at all different levels. And that's how we ended up, you know, the, the book was something I wanted to do for a long time because I know that a lot of the work that I'm doing now is trainings and conferences, and that's not accessible to everyone, to many small businesses or individuals, um, you know, entrepreneurs. So I wanted to make sure that I had something, you know, I, my goal really is to, to reach as many people as possible and help them, you know, learn from this. So to be able to have the book and make something so accessible, so easy to distribute for, for anyone, um, I think is what, what made me super happy. Okay, Melanie. So you talked about focus and framework, but let's imagine you choose one of, you know, one of the several focuses. Um, is that the, is that the word? Foci? Focuses? Yeah. focuses. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so let's say you hone in on one um, and, and let's say you choose people. I want to hear your thinking around how the story develops and um, how do you go from just, hey, I want to tell a story about this person to, okay, here is how the actual story unfolds. Can you talk us through that process? Yeah. Well, there's a, there's a lot of different structures you can take when telling a story. And I think so much of this is like, this is like the first two years of journalism school. So I don't know, I can condense it all down to one answer, but the best way to approach it, and this is how I would approach almost any story is the first step is collecting as much information information as possible. So if it's a person that you're going to create your story about, talk to them, do some research, talk to people who are important in their life, you know, read about them, listen to interviews they've done, just try to get gather as much information about that person as possible or whatever your topic is. Do the research first. So that's the first step. The second step is to sort through what you have and decide what's the most important or interesting. So now that you've gathered all this information about the person or product or event, go through with a highlighter or, you know, if it's digital, underline bold. And just make note, when you were learning about this person, when you were doing this research, what was most interesting, most important, most surprising? What catches your attention? Because what catches your attention is probably what's going to catch your audience's attention as well. Then when you take a look at the third part is to just look at those parts that you've highlighted, bolded, or, or otherwise made note of and see if there's a natural order to how they come together. And oftentimes there is. Oftentimes the structure just sort of jumps out at you because you'll say, wow, when I learned about this person, it seems like most of the interesting stuff is their backstory from when they were a kid. So maybe it makes sense to start when they were younger and tell the story in that direction, right? Or, wow, I was really surprised to hear about all the things they did at this particular job. So maybe it makes sense to focus on that particular time of their life. That was the most interesting and surprising. So I think when you, you, you gather all the research, you try to pull out the parts that are most interesting or important about the story, then it sort of generally has some sort of grouping or clumping or natural order to it when you focus on just those parts that you think are going to be most relevant for your audience. Fantastic. Fantastic. Thank you so much for, for coming on the show and sharing your story with us. It's been so cool to get to know you and, and get to know a little bit about your background. Um, but before we wrap up, I want to open it up to you to talk to our listeners uh, directly. So our listeners are, uh, we have a lot of entrepreneurs, we have a lot of marketers. Um, I would love for you to, um, to, to give a couple of pieces of advice that, you know, this is a piece of Melanie's experience. This is a piece of Melanie's brain. Let me share it with, with Poop to Gold listeners. All right. So the, the one thing that I want to stress 
right off the bat is that you are a creative person. And if you don't believe that, it's only because you don't have a system. That so often we've been conditioned to believe that because we can't do something easily and without any training, we're not good at it. And that's so, so not the case. So if you're feeling overwhelmed by content creation, if you're feeling like, I don't know what to say, or people don't care about my story, it all it is, is you just need a different system to come up with those ideas and you will 100% be able to function as a creator or a storyteller. So it doesn't have to be my system. It doesn't have to be the content field framework, but find a system that helps you tap into that creativity. And I think you'll find that it's so much easier and so much more rewarding. So don't count yourself out. The second thing I want to share, and this is particularly important for the new world, the new normal that we're all living in, uh, in the current environment is educational content. Instructional content is some of the most valuable for your audience. So if you are having trouble coming up with something, ask what you can teach your audience. There is always something you can teach them. When you focus on this kind of content, it not only has evergreen value, it's going to continue to be useful to your audience for a very long time. And that makes it a really good return on your, on your use of resources. Um, but it's, it's also highly valued by your audience. They need help. They need to learn these things and they're going to find that information somewhere. So it might as well be from you. You know, don't be afraid that you're going to sort of give away the secret sauce by showing them how to do something. That is in fact the way that you can best prove that you are the person they should trust to do related activities. So go out there, ask what you can teach your audience and provide as much value as possible. And I think you'll find that your audience forms much deeper relationships with you and trusts you so much more deeply when it comes time to make a purchase down the road. Okay, Melanie, where can our listeners learn more about your book, The Content Fuel Framework? So if you want to learn more about the book, you can actually find it on the book website at contentfuelframework.com. I've got some signed copies. You could see if there's any signed copies left. I would love to send you one. You can also find it on Amazon or on Barnes & Noble uh, online if, if you want to get one sent right to you. If you want to get a little preview before you, you check it out, maybe you're not sure if it's a good fit for you, head over to my Instagram, M E. E-L-D-E-Z-I-E-L on Instagram. The link in the bio will let you download the entire introduction and first chapter totally for free. Take a peek, see if it seems interesting. If it does, head back over to the book website. You can get yourself a copy. And if you want to just learn anything else about me and the team, and all these links are also found at our website, storyfuel.co. That's storyfuel, F-U-E-L dot C-O. Awesome. Uh, which social platforms are you active on? I really love Twitter these days. I think it's it's one of the, my favorites. So I'm M Diesel there, M D E Z I E L. Uh, and if you look for Melanie Diesel, you'll find me on whatever platform floats your boat. Awesome. Thanks again for coming on, Melanie. It's been a pleasure. And for our listeners, make sure to like, share, and subscribe. We'll see you on the next one.